0: I think we're in the right place. This is where Herman told us it was.
1: It's a recording studio there, bud, and that sign over there says the Death Shifter did eh? Oh, this must be it in it, The door's open. Let's trot inside. The message from the Death Shifter team said Jordan would be in the studio waiting. Wait, no way.
2: What? Let me see the message. Seriously? The wish that captured Floyd and Cloyd at the science lab battle is recording too. Why would they do this to us? Yeah,
0: I'm out of here there, bud. I don't want to deal with her again. She wasn't very nice, eh?
2: Or oh, come on. Suck it up, then. Sure there's a good reason for it. Floyd? That's right. The Deathshifter team knows what they're doing. We'll record with Jordan and the Witch. We didn't come all this way to leave.
3: Oh, good. You guys made it. We were starting to get worried.
4: <laughs> Huff bros! So good to see you again. Sorry for the rough introductions last time. My name is Tess. The good news is that I'm no longer under Malachi's control. <laughs>
2: Without Malachi controlling you, you're supposed to be nice now?
4: <laughs> I don't really know. I haven't been myself like this for hundreds of years now. I don't want to eat you, so there's that.
3: Right. Um, I can't believe the others left me here with the five of you.
5: Oh, uh, What's that? Did you say something, Jordan?
3: Mm-hmm. I-, I said it's awesome that I got to be the one to record with all of you. Telling the story is one thing, but seeing you in person is unimaginable.
0: Us centaurs
1: are pretty neat, eh? So what are we recording there, buddy? Message said we'd be doing the intro-outro with her. So pay attention there, gents, so this isn't any harder than it should be. Alright,
2: that's enough bickering. Let Jordan take the lead and we'll follow along.
3: Thanks, Floyd. Here we go. Welcome back and thanks for joining us in the Death Shifter Den once again. We have an exciting and slightly longer episode for you today.
4: Exciting! is an understatement. Some new characters show up in this episode.
2: Oh, that's right. I think it was hinted at in the last episode. I'm a big fan of the show. We listen to it every Monday morning while we trot to work.
0: Speaking of, last week's episode was the beginning of a massive battle at Vlad's castle mansion
1: there, buds. I can't wait to hear how this one ends. Oh, what about the secret weapon Cassandra was talking about? I can't contain my excitement for it either.
2: I have some theories on what it could be, but I don't want to spoil anything.
3: Good, because we hate when things get spoiled around here. So, since we have the five of you on as guests, we went a different route with questions this week. The Death Shifter team came up with a bunch of questions to ask you, but we narrowed it down to two. There's the sound of the mail! Let's head over there and read the questions.
4: I would like to read the first one. It looks like this question is from Ethan, Ray and Tori. It says, what happens if a centaur mates with a different species? Does the child come out with a different bottom half or top half?
1: Well, I suppose I'll take first swing at that one. Uh, That's an interesting question, bit offensive to say the least, but uh, if you must know, well, the bottom half is always four legs and hooves, but the top half will change depending on your
2: parents. Well, it's extremely rare to have a centaur born with different legs because of their parents. Though, how did the first centaur come to exist? Did a human and a horse? You know.
0: Sheesh there, bud. That's enough of that. We'll move on to the next question. It comes from Andy, Dakota, and Jordan. Is the process of turning into a witch the same as
2: a wizard? I only know so much about this topic. Malachi was the cause for the wizards. I'm not sure about the witches, though. Tess?
4: Cassandra and Malachi were working together behind all of our backs. She did the same thing as Malachi and created her army of witches to search for magic and bring it back. That's crazy!
3: So every wizard and witch was once a different race before being turned by Malachi or Cassandra?
4: You got it! But that's all I know. I'm hoping we find it all out in the coming episodes.
3: Speaking of the coming episodes, we have a special guest joining us for episode 11 in two weeks.
2: I love her music. Can I say who it is? Go ahead. It's Rose from the Ember Witch Saga. She's going to make an appearance. Hopefully she'll play a song.
4: She isn't just making an appearance. She'll be joining the Valiant Five for almost the whole episode.
0: I'm just starting to listen to some of her songs because of Lloyd. She's
1: pretty damn needy. Like Jordan said, no spoilers though. That means you better listen
2: in so you don't miss it.
3: Thanks guys. With that being said, let's jump into this week's episode. Episode 10, Sea Serpent, Cybernetics, and Wizards, Oh My? Garland Fells looks at the empty hallway, confused.
6: Ah, uh, Clay was just here with me, walking, then poof, vanished right before my eyes. What has he said to DG?
3: He continues to walk through Entrazda until he gets to the King and Queen's chamber. Smoke pours out of the doorway as he walks through.
6: I can't see anything through this thick haze of smoke. DG, you in there?
3: A bubbling noise followed by a cough comes through the smoke.
7: (coughs) Garland Fells, is that you, little buddy?
3: His smile grows wider as he follows the voice.
6: Ah, look, I ain't your buddy guy, okay? I'm not anyone's little buddy. I have a message for you, from Clay.
3: Colin Stren's hand comes out from the smoke and grabs him.
5: Oh, yes, over here, Garland Fells. Tell us, did Clay and his friends come back?
3: Garland Bells sits down in their smoke sesh. He takes a deep breath, inhaling the smoke around him.
6: Oh, His friends weren't with him this time, laddie. He was talking to his necklace when I found him.
3: DG sits forward.
5: Uh, how come he's not with you anymore?
3: Miranda Chelly jumps to her feet. Yeah, why didn't he come here himself if he had a message for Ross? Garland Bells shakes his head while sitting back down.
6: Hey, he was right with me in the hole. When I turned around, he was spooked by something he saw. The necklace said they were out of time and the two of them vanished. But before he was gone entirely, he told me to tell you to make sure everyone here was ready to fight the imps.
3: DG stands and places his hand on Garland Fell's shoulder.
7: Was that it? He didn't say anything else.
3: Garland Fell thinks to himself for a moment.
6: Uh, yeah, you know, he might have said something about needing to find the four stars there.
3: DG turns and looks over at Miranda Shelley and Colin Stren.
7: The four stars? Do either of you know what that means?
3: Colin Stren shakes his head.
5: Hmm, the name sounds familiar, but I can't recall why.
3: Miranda Chelly sits back down while grabbing the pipe filled with the good stuff. She takes a puff before looking back at DG. Both of you really can't remember. They were the group of misfits that
4: were said to be left dead during the warring aftermath. Instead of fighting each other, they nurtured one another back to health. They swore to kill everyone that left them to die. It was a bloodbath. They eventually killed everyone that wronged them, so they started a hero-for-hire type of thing. They call themselves the Four Stars.
3: Colin Stren laughs.
5: (laughs) That's right. It was a Cyclops, Leprechaun, Pegasus, and a that made up the team, right?
3: DG joins in.
7: I'm definitely not surprised I didn't remember. My memory has been fuzzy since. I don't know, the imps, maybe?
3: Miranda passes the pipe to her husband. Why would he need to find the four stars, though? What do they have to do with him? Colin Strand takes a puff from the pipe.
5: Are the four of them even alive still? I don't know the full story, but how is it that they managed to help each other heal when they were all on the verge of death?
3: D.G. waves his arms around, trying to clear the smoke out.
5: We should probably open a window or something.
7: Again, I'm not the most reliable source here, but something happened to them on Fey Day. Eh? The warring aftermath changed them.
3: Miranda Chelle walks over to a window and slides it open. She turns around and clicks on a ceiling fan. That day changed everyone. But you're right. The four stars were fighting
4: each other moments before becoming friends. I know they were near death, but helping your
3: enemy back to health was unheard of. Especially back then. Garland fell stands back up and walks over to DG.
6: If the four stars are still about, we'll have to look for them with Clay. But we have to take care of this in problem first. Clay and the others are clearly dealing with something more than that game they were talking about. How else would he have made it back here without Vlad's portal body?
3: DG looks around at the redcaps.
7: I guess now's a good time to tell you guys. Clay has some sort of power within him. One that none of us really understand. On top of that, he, myself, and that necklace, we lost all our memories and can't remember who we were before Clay got woken up by his friends. For some reason, any time he dies, he comes here all transparent and shit, and we chill for a bit, and then he disappears and becomes whatever killed him. That necklace of his, Talbot, is what he's called. He's the only thing that can put Clay back into his human form. That's all the three of us really can remember so far.
3: Colin Strand jumps to his feet.
5: That's fucking crazy. Glad he's on our side, then. Let's listen to our friend Garland Fells and take the imps out first. We can't let them stay here any longer.
3: D.G. throws his fist into the air. A couple of seconds pass, and he looks at the others, confused.
7: Where is here, by the way? I know we're in, in Trasda, but I've always just considered this region we're in as a whole Death Guide world. That can't be right,
3: though. Miranda Chelli walks back over and stands next to D.G. Unfortunately, we don't have an answer either. All we can remember is the warring
4: aftermath ended, and we Redcaps were left without a place to live. As we wandered the desolated lands, a bright orange light flashed surrounding us. When it disappeared,
3: we were standing in the Forest of Madness. Colin Stren moves close to his wife. He places his arm around her.
5: We wandered around looking for anything we could, and we stumbled on the ruins of Entrazda. We're not sure why it was hidden away in the forest, but we were thankful. We had a place to live, to thrive. It's hard to say, but if we hadn't been transported here, who knows what would have happened to us.
3: DG sits back down on the ground. He takes a puff from under his hood before blowing out the smoke.
7: So, this is a world made by the imps, or at least hidden away by them. Why, though?
3: Miranda Chelli looks around the room at the hundreds of redcaps smoking the good stuff. We owe it to everyone here to find that out. This place, in Trasda, it's allowed us to build ourselves back up. It's time for us to leave and rejoin the other races. Colin Stren reaches his hand out for DG.
5: I agree with my wife. It's time for you to be free of this place, too. Let's work together and get a plan ready for when Vlad and the others get back.
3: DG takes his hand and jumps to his feet.
7: We need to get into that gray shack. Whatever the imps are hiding is in there. Along
3: with more of the good stuff. Miranda Chelly pats him on the back. Maybe laying off the good stuff will help you remember your past. The imps are the ones giving it to you, and the other death guides. He takes another puff.
7: Yeah, I uh, think you're onto something. I'll finish this bag before quitting. Don't want it to go to waste.
3: The three walk around the room, gathering the other redcaps for a meeting. Lady Ingrid Philopin swoops down from the clouds with Justin riding on her back. They get to the others and fly behind them as they stare across the sky at Malachi, Cassandra, and Leroy.
2: What the hell, guys? Did you leave me behind on purpose?
3: Callie rolls her eyes while leaning back against Friselda. Seriously? Look at your big ass. As if you could fit in anywhere else. Vlad sits on top of Clay as the wizard staff.
8: I'm not sure what it is you're thinking that you're wanting us to be saying here, Justin. There are far more serious matters transpiring at the moment.
3: He scoffs while looking over at Herman.
2: Nobody else got left behind. Do you guys even like me?
3: Herman nods his head.
2: Of course we do, Justin. We would have left you back with the red caps if we didn't. Everything happened so fast down there. We all jumped on the flyers and got up here. Lady Ingrid found you and brought you up, though.
3: Lady Ingrid smiles while looking over at Sir Edgerton. We made a deal a long time ago. He smirks back at her.
9: Yes, I remember. No fighting
2: unless both of us are there.
3: Justin sighs before looking over at Clay.
2: (laughs) Sorry for interrupting. I'm here and ready to back you up however I can.
3: Wesley shakes his head.
2: Well, that was embarrassing. Our enemies are right there, and they just
8: heard all of that.
3: Barry shrugs her shoulders.
8: Ah, come on, give him a break, Wes. Yet are emotional creatures, apparently.
3: Flay yells out to Malachi, Cassandra, and Leroy.
2: Tell your wizards and witches to stop attacking. This is between the three of you and us. We have the half of the book you're looking for. Let's talk.
3: Malachi erupts into laughter.
5: (laughs) Good try, you little shit. But the time for talking is over. You and Vlad had your chance back at his brick mansion. Plus, we have you right where we want you.
3: Vlad nods his head.
8: Ah, yes, quite. We tried to talk, but you wouldn't listen. There's been enough bloodshed, Malachi. Leroy, are you really okay with
10: all of this?
3: He scoffs while smirking back at Vlad. I am more than okay with all of this.
10: My passion has always been exploring science as far as I can to bring magic back to this world. You promised me long ago that you would help me achieve that, but I realized it was
3: all a lie. Larry stands tall on Clay and yells back.
10: Vlad was protecting you. He knew what would happen if you went down that dark road. Look where you are now, Leroy.
2: This is what he was trying to stop. What we are all trying to stop.
3: His sister, Perry, stands up next to him. Please, Leroy, think of all the good times we had together in the science lab. All of that isn't lost yet. You can still come back. Leroy flies closer to Malachi and Cassandra.
10: You're wrong! It is too late! Frisilla has already taken my spot and done a much better job leading Vlad's scientists. She is much more obedient, anyways.
3: Frizelda growls at him.
10: I never liked you, Leroy. But this is more than you can handle. In this now, or suffer the consequences.
3: Cassandra begins to laugh. Ha 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 ha. Oh, you poor things. You can't see it, can you? Leroy is no longer your friend or the harpy you once knew. He swore his life to our cause. There's no turning back now. Malachi continues to laugh with her. Ha ha ha. Yes. The Leroy you once knew is long gone. Leroy flies next to them, confused. Ah, I'm, I'm right here. It, it It's just me. Cassandra pulls out a small remote with a blue button on it. You see, Malachi and I haven't been completely honest with you. We love what you've done with our science department. Those inventions have truly been helpful. And your secret weapon you worked so hard to keep hidden from Vlad? Fabulous. Malachi pulls out the serum Leroy gave him back at the Witching Hour Club. You're not
5: the only smart one here. We've been alive a lot longer than you, birdman. Cass and I studied this serum of yours, and well, we made it better.
3: He chugs the serum and sits quietly for a couple of moments. Leroy starts to fly away from the two of them.
10: You you used me! This was supposed to be
3: a partnership. I threw away everything I had for the two of you. Malachi's eyes begin to glow bright green as Leroy turns and starts to fly towards Clay and the others. Cassandra presses the blue button on the remote. Leroy stops flying. What the hell? I can't move! What did you do to me? Cassandra floats next to Malachi. Those injections we've been giving you, they've been filled with nanotech that's been slowly changing your body. Leroy slowly floats back towards her. My nanotech? That means... She erupts into a cackle while flying circles around him. <laughs> it's only a matter of time before they completely change the inside structure of your body into cybernetics. You are soon to be a full-fledged cyborg that I can control, of course. Lee moves his eyes to look at Vlad.
10: I'm sorry.
3: Please forgive. His voice trails off and his eyes glow bright green like Malachi's. Clay yells out to her.
5: So you've been the one in charge this whole time? You betrayed Malachi, too?
3: Cassandra scoffs. No. This is who the old man is. He has been a cyborg for a long time now. He never told me the full story, but it had something to do with a mysterious creature that supposedly attacked him during the warring aftermath. I don't know. And frankly, I don't care either. He was the only way for me to get what I wanted. Paul sits on Wesley's back. He looks over at Iris.
8: Mysterious creatures during the warring aftermath? Could it have been him?
3: Iris shrugs her shoulders. He left the Great Depths around that time. Do you think he's over there? Poseidon takes a deep breath.
8: I hope not. If he's why Malachi is a cyborg, then we're in big trouble.
3: Wesley looks up at him and Iris.
0: Uh, would the two of you like to share what you're talking about with the rest of the class?
3: Barry agrees.
1: For reals, who the hell is this guy?
3: Callie and Frizelda fly over. Just overheard them talking, and man, are they into some creepy shit. Frizelda nods.
11: Yeah. Fill us in. Who left the great depths around the warring aftermath? And why are you so terrified
3: of them? Poseidon nervously looks at them.
8: Well, bros, thousands of years ago, legend has it that the great Poseidon was raging more in the oceans below while the warring aftermath was going on above. It's said that the creature Leviathan, a great cybernetic serpent that could be considered a god or a demon, caused havoc, controlling the ocean creatures to attack the myrmisons.
3: Iris floats next to her father. Poseidon and the other Myrmesons defeated the sea creatures and had Leviathan captured, but the giant serpent managed to shrink, slipping through the cage he was placed in. It was said that he would never be able to grow back to his monstrous size, but he had powers unheard of, even back then. Poseidon looks across the way at Malachi.
8: If Leviathan managed to make it to the surface, he would have been looking for a host. Malki is thousands of years old. There's no way that technology alone has kept him alive.
3: Herman flies over on Sir Edgerton.
2: On top of that, cybernetics aren't all that popular. Not since the robot revolution happened. Everyone lost faith in them after that.
3: Callie shakes her head. Speaking of weird shit, it's a damn shame they had to be kept hidden from the world. They could do some amazing stuff in the sack that us normies could never pull off. Friselda raises an eyebrow. Uh,
10: is that so? Maybe you can show me what you're talking about after we make it out of here alive.
3: Callie smiles while Wesley laughs. (laughs)
0: Called it so
2: weird the two of them are definitely getting it on after this.
3: Clay laughs before remembering that they're in the midst of a battle.
2: (laughs) Oh, oh, wait. We need to focus on the enemy right now. If this Leviathan is inside of Malachi, then we have another problem.
3: Justin points behind Cassandra.
2: (laughs) Another one? We have another problem.
3: Out from the clouds above them descends a giant robot made from different metals. Its eyes glow bright green like Malachi's and Leroy's. Lady Ingrid watches in awe.
11: It can't be. The robots were supposed to be stuck on that island that was made for them. The barrier that was installed in the water is supposed to fry their circuits if they tried to leave.
3: Cassandra smirks at her. Leroy, why don't you tell them what you were able to do with Malachi's help? Or should I say Leviathan, since you seem to already know? Sir Edgerton gasps.
9: that can't be. It was said that Poseidon defeated Leviathan in the great depths.
3: Leroy floats forward. He stops and looks at the friends with his glowing green eyes. Leviathan called out to me
10: and I answered. I went to the robo-reserve where the robots had been imprisoned, and I deactivated the barrier myself. After doing so, I convinced the robots to board my ship and leave with me. Upon returning to our lab, we experimented on them and used Leviathan's power to create what you see before you.
3: Cassandra erupts into laughter again. You forgot a key detail, Leroy. Meet Leviathan. The massive robot floats in the air behind Cassandra. A couple of seconds pass, and its glowing eyes release a blast of green energy.
11: My life at the great depths was a punishment from the other agents of agents that came before. No longer will I suffer from your organic creatures. My vengeance is
0: now.
3: Cassandra turns and looks at Malachi. The transfer has been completed. Leviathan is no longer inside of you. Malachi chuckles.
5: (laughs) I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. I have full control again.
3: He turns and looks over at Vlad and the others.
5: It isn't over between us, Vlad. We'll see each other again soon enough.
3: He and Cassandra get ready to fly away, but she stops and smirks at Leviathan and Leroy. Destroy everything if you have to. Just find that damn book and bring it back to us. Do what Leviathan says. Leroy nods his head while his eyes continue to glow green. Leviathan laughs while watching her and Malachi fly away. This body
11: gives me what I need. I am a cybernetic god. All will bow down before me as I change the world to my image. Leroy, you now serve me, not Cassandra or Malachi. Though I appreciate what they did for me, but I am controlled by no organic.
3: Leroy nods his head. I am at your command. What would you have me do? Leviathan looks around and scans the battlefield.
10: There. I can see where
11: he hid part of the book. Go
3: and retrieve it. Leroy looks down at the golden staircase leading up to the guest house. He flies down, zooming past Vlad and the others. Clay yells,
2: Lady Ingrid, take Justin and stop Leroy. Barry, you
5: and Iris help them.
3: Without hesitation, Lady Ingrid and Barry fly down after Leroy with Justin and Iris on their backs. Clay looks back over at Leviathan.
2: And what about you? No chance we can work this out?
3: Leviathan laughs.
2: Ha <laughs> ha Unfortunately, it is 5,015
11: years too late, human. Though I do appreciate the thought of it, but I've suffered too much from you, Organic. All of you must pay for what
8: your ancestors
11: did.
3: Vlad waves his hand at the giant robot.
8: Ah, uh, yes. Care to explain what happened 5,015 years ago? None of us have a clue about what our ancestors did to you or what you did to them.
3: Leviathan scoffs. Ah.
8: <sighs> Nonsense!
11: I did nothing to any of them! All I wanted was for my cybernetic children to have the same chance as the organics! Your ancestors stole that right from me! They were scared at what they could become, so they imprisoned me and hunted down anyone with cybernetics inside them! The island of the Robo Reserve was created. They left all of my children there to rot away!
3: Clay starts to fly closer to him.
2: Things are different now. You and your children have a safe place in Unity's dream. Vlad here can see to it that you and the other cybernetics will have a home.
3: Vlad nods his head.
8: Clay is correct. I can give you more than just home in my grand city. What do you say?
3: Leviathan continues to look around the battlefield, scanning everything he can.
8: I want to accept
11: your offer, but it's too late for your world. Lies, deception, selfishness, gluttony, all of it fills you creatures to the brim. You must be exterminated. For the sake of my children.
3: He starts to lift his hand into the air. Clay swerves to the right and flies away, just as a green energy beam shoots out at them. (laughs) Callie yells out to everyone. Spread out and throw everything you have at this giant, overgrown can opener. Frizelda smiles wide while flying on the broom with her.
10: Let's kick some giant robot
3: ass. They fly past Leviathan as he swipes his other arm down, barely missing them. (sighs) Sir Edgerton looks back at Herman riding him.
9: Hold on tight.
0: You're about to see a dragon of legend in action. Wesley, stay behind me.
3: Wesley looks over with excitement.
0: I've been waiting to do this with you since you abandoned me. Paul Sidon and I are right behind you.
3: Sir Edgerton flies up into the clouds with Wesley following behind him. They disappear for a couple of seconds before descending down behind Leviathan. Sir Edgerton looks at Herman and Paul Sidon.
9: Leviathan is an ancient of ancients. It was said that he used to be nothing more than a friendly sea serpent. That was before his body was fused with cybernetics. He became a monster after that. Listen closely. Wesley and I can get the two of you close enough to hop on his
0: back. Once you're on, you need to figure out how to get him back on the ground.
3: Wesley chimes in.
0: Swimming and flying are oddly similar. If we don't get him out of the air, we'll lose this
8: fight.
3: As the dragons fly toward Leviathan, Steve stands tall on Sir Edgerton's back.
8: I'll stay with you, Ed. Someone's got to watch your back when Lady Ingrid isn't around.
3: He smiles while getting closer to Leviathan's shoulder.
9: Thanks, Steve. Now's your chance. Jump on. Herman, we're counting on that big brain of yours to figure out a way to bring him
0: down.
3: Wesley gets next to him and lets Paul Sidon jump off.
0: You got this, Herm. Bring this big cybernetic asshole
2: down.
3: Herman nods.
2: Oh yeah, me and Paul Sidon will take care of this. You guys just keep Leviathan distracted.
3: Paul Seiden throws his fist into the air behind him.
8: Ed working with Surfy bros. Never thought I'd see the day, man.
3: Sir Edgerton Valshire smiles while flying away with Wesley. Paul Seiden turns to Herman.
8: So, what's the big brainy play here, Herm Germ?
3: Herman starts to climb up Leviathan's shoulder towards his neck.
8: I'm still
2: working through a plan in my head, but we should start with the neck. Most of the cybernetics that I got to study had their control panel near that area.
3: The two start their trek across the massive robot's shoulder. As they climb across the different metals fuse together, they look down and see a green energy running through the robot-like veins. Herman stops and looks at Paul Seiden.
2: There, that energy flowing through him. It's the life essence of the other cybernetic creatures that were left on the robo-reserve.
3: Paul Seiden kneels next to him.
8: Man, that ain't right, man. Leviathan's using all their life essence to give himself power, after he just spoke of how important his cybernetic children were to him. We gotta stop this fucking guy. What's that word? Uh, This hypocritical guy. We gotta stop this hypocritical guy, Herm.
3: Herman stands back up, and the two continue their climb across Leviathan's shoulder to his neck. They get to a spot to look out across the sky and see Clay flying around as a wizard staff. Vlad and the gnome twins, Larry and Perry, ride on top of him, firing laser guns at Leviathan while Sir Edgerton and Wesley fly circles around the giant robot. Callie flies the witch's broom around with Griselda shooting her laser gun at Leviathan. Herman looks down and sees Lady Ingrid and Barry chasing Leroy down to the ground with Justin and Iris holding on tightly to their backs. He takes a deep breath before continuing the climb toward Leviathan's neck. As they get closer, he notices a small hatch.
2: That's gotta be it. If we can get inside, we can cut the energy stream and release the other cybernetics from Leviathan's grasp.
3: Poseidon follows behind as the two get to the hatch. All of us are
8: too big to fit in there, man. We need clay bay.
3: Herman thinks out loud.
8: We need clay
2: and something small to kill him. That's it.
3: He climbs around Leviathan's neck and yells out to his friends.
2: Okay, plan time. Everyone listen up. Lad, jump on Sir Edgerton and continue fighting with him and Wesley. Keep him off of us since he knows we're here now. Callie, let Frizilda take control of the broom. You jump on Wesley and be ready to join us when the time's right. Clay, make sure you and the gnome twins get to Paul Sidon and I.
3: Leviathan laughs while bringing his hand up to grab Herman. He waits and moves at the last second. Whatever you're
8: planning won't work,
11: Ort. You and your friends will die here and the new cybernetic world will begin.
3: Herman scoffs while he and Paul Sidon climb around on the back of his neck.
2: Ha! You're just a crazed murderer, and I could see why the other ancients of ancients locked you away in the great depths.
3: Leviathan tries to reach for him again, but Sir Edgerton flies over with Steve and Vlad on his back. He bites the robot's arm while Vlad fires the laser gun at Leviathan's face. (laughs) Steve jumps and lands on Leviathan's arm being held by Sir Edgerton. He runs along it until he gets to the shoulder, looking back at Vlad and Ed.
8: I can help Herman and the others from here. Give us some time.
3: Sir Edgerton lets go of the arm and flies away while Steve runs over to Herman. Clay gets close with the gnome twins while Callie and Frizelda switch seats on the broom. She flies over to Wesley, and Callie wraps her arms around Frizelda and kisses her on the neck. Whew, I need a breather for a sec. Can't blow my load already. I need some of this energy for later. Wink wink. Griselda blushes while watching her jump off the broom. She lands on Wesley. This will be the first and last time I ride you, Wes. Wesley laughs while flying behind his grandpa.
0: Yeah, I'm really not
2: enjoying this either.
3: Herman helps Larry and Perry off of Clay before grabbing him.
2: I'm going to need you to fit into that small hatch, just like in Star Dwarfs.
3: Clay turns and looks.
2: And how do you expect me to fit in there? Even the gnomes are too big.
3: Herman smiles wide.
2: <laughs> well, look closer at those gnome twins. Their shoes are small enough to fit inside.
3: Clay nervously chuckles. <laughs> Look at that.
2: They are small enough. <sighs> Fine. Give me one of your shoes.
3: Perry slips hers off and hands them to Clay. Here you go. Mine probably smell better than Larry's. What are you going to do to kill yourself with them? He takes a deep breath while tossing one off of Leviathan.
2: I'm going to choke on it. Someone just shove it on in there.
3: While Sidon and Herman push each other to get to the shoe, but Steve jumps over them and grabs it.
8: Don't worry, Clay. I have experience with this sort of thing. You ready?
3: He nods his head and Steve shoves a small shoe into his mouth at the end of the wizard's staff. He twists and turns the shoe while Clay gags. A moment passes and Steve removes his hand from Clay's mouth, leaving the shoe inside. Clay starts to choke. He moves his hands toward it, but Herman and Paul hold them down.
8: Shh, just go to sleep, little man. Just close your eyes.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, what he said, Clay.
3: Larry walks over and places his hand on Clay's neck.
2: Why'd you guys have to make that so weird? He's already dead, by the way.
3: Herman and Paul Siden let him go and clear their throats while the static sound fills Clay's ears. Seconds pass by and he opens his eyes in the Death Guide world. He looks around and notices he's back on the catacombs of Intrasda.
2: Weird that we got brought back here. Talbot, you there?
3: His necklace flashes blue.
8: I am here, Clay. You got brought back here because DG is close by. He must still be with the redcaps discussing the plan of attack on the imps. We should hurry and get to him before we are transferred into the shoe that killed you.
3: He gets ready to run down the hall, but the same mummy wrapped in the dark blue material pops out of the sarcophagus. It turns and looks at Clay.
5: The four stars. They're the only ones that can save you. They know who you truly are, Clay.
3: The mummy lies back in the sarcophagus. It shuts, leaving Clay staring at it.
2: Uh, you saw that too, right? I wonder who these four stars are that he keeps talking about.
3: He leaves and runs down the hall. Clay turns the corner and stands in front of a room filled with smoke. He swipes his hands through the air as he enters and yells.
5: DG! Colin Stren! Miranda Shelley, Garland Fells, Are any of you in here?
3: DG's decrepit hand reaches through the haze and grabs Clay.
7: We were just getting ready to get into our battle formations. You're going to love the plan of attack that we came up with.
3: Colin Strind smiles wide while taking a puff from the pipe.
5: It's going to be so great to see the imp's faces when we attack. Here, take a look at this.
3: Clay walks over and looks at the blank piece of paper on the table in front of them.
5: Uh, how much have you guys
2: smoked? The window is open and the ceiling fan is on. How is there this much smoke in here?
3: Miranda Chelly starts to laugh. (laughs) Ha ha! we've smoked just enough to come up with this awesome plan. Garland fell snickers while laying under the table.
6: (laughs) instead of coming in here and judging us for doing something you asked us to, you could say thanks, laddie. Or even something nicer. How are things going at your tournament, by the way, there, bud?
3: Clay remembers that he was in a fight against the Leviathan.
2: Shit! Things aren't good there. Malachi, Cassandra, and Leroy attacked during the championship game. Not only that, but Leviathan escaped from the Great Depths and became a massive robot with their help. He's attacking us as we speak. I don't have much time. The four of you really need to come up with a plan to attack the imps. Something big is going on. Oh, there's this mummy that has talked to me in the catacombs. He said I need to find the four stars. Do you guys know anything about that?
3: They all look around at each other. DG gets ready to tell him, but Talbot flashes blue.
8: It's time to return, Clay.
3: He nods his head.
8: We'll
2: be back as soon as we defeat Leviathan.
3: His body fades away while a flash of light blinds him. Clay opens his eyes and he's looking up at Herman and the others.
2: All right, I'm small enough to get inside that hatch. What am I looking for when I'm in?
3: Herman shakes his head.
2: Sorry, Clay. Follow the green life essence and look for the source. Cut it and cut Leviathan's power.
3: Clay smirks while walking toward the hatch as the tiny gnome shoe. Poseidon rips open the hatch and Clay hops in. (laughs) Leviathan lets out a loud roar before trembling and smacking his hands along his shoulders and neck. Herman, Steve, Poseidon, Larry, and Perry run around in a panic dodging the attacks. Herman and Steve latch onto a piece of metal while catching Larry and Perry. They watch as Poseidon tries to jump over them, but he gets smacked and launched off Leviathan.
8: No!
3: <clears throat> Lady Ingrid! Lady Ingrid catches Poseidon and flies up to the others. They climb onto her back.
11: I came back as fast as I can. Justin, Barry, and Iris are handling
3: Leroy. Herman settles on her back with the others. He points toward Sir Edgerton and Wesley, dodging Leviathan's hands.
2: We need to get to the others and get back to the ground. There's nothing we can do to him. It's up to Clay now.
3: Leroy runs along the grass toward the golden staircase. Barry, Justin, and Iris chase after him.
8: Quit running, Leroy! You'll only die tired! Sorry, sorry, that was aggressive, but seriously, just give it up!
3: Justin catches his breath while standing next to them.
2: Yeah. Now quit running and fess up to your mistakes.
3: Iris holds her hands out, ready to attack. It's three against one, Leroy. You don't stand a chance. Leroy slowly turns around while smirking at them.
10: Maybe when I was just a harpy, but with my new cybernetic body, I think I do.
3: He charges at them with his sharp claws. Barry doesn't back down and pulls out a small dagger. Justin smashes his fists together while Iris' hands start to light up a teal color. Leroy laughs while jumping over the three of them. He flings his hand forward, causing his claws to shoot out at them. Barry ducks down while Justin grabs Iris and takes the claws in the back. Leroy stands looking at them, while new claws form on his hands.
10: Honestly, I was surprised and upset when I found out Cassandra and Malachi betrayed me. But I went along with it and acted like I was under her control. No one controls Leroy!
3: He charges at them again. Iris steps around Justin and shoots blasts of water out of her hands, knocking Leroy back. She turns and pulls the claws out of Justin's back. Sorry, bro, but we need you back in the fight, big guy. Justin stands to his feet with blood dripping down his back. (laughs) That
10: hurt, but not enough. If I can grab him, I'm strong enough to hold him.
3: Barry runs over and stands with the two of them.
8: We can do this if we work together as a TM. Justin, hold him down. Iris and I can handle the rest.
3: Leroy scoffs while turning away from them.
10: I need this book for myself! It's the key to my plan!
3: As he walks toward the golden staircase, two wizards fly down from the sky and start attacking. Barry dives to the right while Iris and Justin run to the left. The wizards' fireballs continue to launch at them as they run on opposite sides toward Leroy. As they get closer, Barry turns and runs to the left, ducking under one of the wizards. Justin and Iris notice and do the same thing. As they cross by each other, the wizards' fireballs meet and cause a big explosion, knocking them off their staves and into the ground. Barry, Justin, and Iris run after Leroy. They catch up to him as he scans for a hidden doorway. He finds it and opens it up to hundreds of treasures Vlad keeps hidden away. A couple of seconds pass before Leroy exits the staircase, holding half the book. He smirks at Barry and the others.
10: The three of you fought well, but you can't defeat me with my newly enhanced body. Let me go, or I'll be
3: forced to kill you. Barry looks at Justin and Iris. They both nod their heads.
8: Sorry, bub, but that fucking book is important for some reason. We aren't letting you take
10: it.
3: Leroy scoffs. Ha! Then prepare to die! He puts the book down and flies forward at them. Justin stands tall and brings his arms out wide. Are you guys ready? Barry and Iris ready themselves behind him. Leroy closes in and smacks into the big yeti. Justin wraps his arms around him and clasps his hands together, squeezing Leroy tight. Barry dives to the ground and uses their dagger to cut up his legs. Iris gathers more water in her hands and drenches Leroy with it. Leviathan is an exception, but you and the other cybernetics, your weakness is water. Leroy struggles to break free.
10: No! Let me go! You don't understand what you're doing! Malachi, Cassandra,
3: and Leviathan are much more dangerous than me! Barry runs and grabs the book. They walk back over and smack Leroy with it.
8: You were just as dangerous when you were on there, TM.
3: Justin continues to squeeze him tightly as Iris walks over to Barry. What are we going to do with him? Justin lets out a sigh.
2: Ugh, I hate saying it, but we should wait and see what Vlad wants to do with him.
3: Leroy struggles more. One of his wings slips under Justin's arm. No!
10: Vlad doesn't get the satisfaction of making that decision!
3: His wing coils up to a sharp point and stabs Justin in the gut. His grip weakens and Leroy breaks free. He runs and jumps into the air before flying away. Get my revenge
10: on you, pixie!
3: Barry runs over to Justin.
1: You ain't died on my watch, you big, floofy fluffball. Iris, can you patch him up?
3: Iris does everything she can next to Barry. Water isn't going to do anything to this wound. He needs medical attention. Out from the battle comes Shannon and Glop. They run over to them and put pressure on Justin's wound.
10: Oh, don't worry. We'll take it from here.
3: Yeah, don't worry. We won't let him die. King Zion swipes his blade behind them, taking out a wizard. He runs over and kneels with his children.
0: Oi, Yeti, you can't die just yet. Your father would have Vlad's head if you died here, and, well, our world needs that scurvy dog right now.
3: Justin laughs while blood runs out of his mouth.
2: (coughs) The thought of my father caring that much is funny.
3: He closes his eyes while smiling. Barry pounds on his chest.
8: Just hang in there, Justin. Don't let go.
3: King Zion puts his arms around Barry and Iris.
0: The Yeti needs to rest. We'll watch over him like we did with Seth. You two need to get back to Clay and the others. Your fight isn't over yet.
3: Barry wipes the tears from their eyes before looking at Iris.
8: He's right. You ready to get back up there?
3: Iris smiles. (laughs) let's go. She hops on Barry's back and the two fly back up towards Leviathan and the others. Leviathan continues to roar while swiping his arms down at the friends. He grows impatient with them.
11: The time has come for this to end. Prepare to be the first to be purged.
3: His eyes start to flash the bright green color. They stop and turn orange before a massive blast of energy shoots out of them. Wesley, Sir Edgerton, Friselda, and Lady Ingrid spread out and barely dodge it. Sir Edgerton yells,
9: Get ready. Another one's coming.
3: Leviathan shoots out another blast of orange energy. He swipes his hand down and smacks Lady Ingrid. She recovers, but Larry and Perry fly off of her. Herman reaches back and grabs Larry.
2: You better
10: hold on tight.
3: Larry looks behind him to see his sister dropping toward the ground. He smiles at Herman while letting go.
10: Don't let Leviathan win!
3: Herman watches as the gnome twins fall toward the ground. Callie yells to Friselda. If you catch those twins, I'll give you a head start later. (laughs) Friselda smiles while controlling the broom down towards them. She speeds up and gets within reach of them, but they're closing in on the ground. Friselda launches the broom while jumping off of it. She grabs the gnome twins just as the broom hits the ground. It causes a small explosion that slows Frizzalda down. She lands on the ground holding Larry and Perry.
4: That was close,
3: but I got the two of you. They hug her as she looks back up at Callie and the others. Callie smiles. Wet as a waterfall at the moment. I'm gonna tear that shit up so hard later. Vlad laughs while sitting on Sir Edgerton.
8: Da, look, we get it. It's just gratuitous at this point. Can we focus on battle with Leviathan? We must lure him down here. If Clay fails, we'll need another plan.
3: Herman shakes his head.
8: No, Clay won't
2: fail. We stick to the one plan we have. It's the only chance we have at winning.
3: Wesley looks over at Herman.
0: I'm with Herm. Clay's going to find the source and set the other cybernetics free. Speaking of, what happens when he does that?
3: Leviathan lets out another loud roar. Ah, enough of this! He opens his mouth, causing another orange beam to form. He shoots it out along with the ones from his eyes. Lady Ingrid, Wesley, and Sir Edgerton maneuver out of the way, but Leviathan launches himself forward and smacks his hands together, catching them all. He looks down and smiles while his eyes continue to glow orange.
11: You fought valiantly against me, which most cannot say, if you wish for it. I can turn you all into cybernetics. You can join my mission and make our world in my image.
3: Callie spits up at him as they get squished between his
11: hands.
3: (laughs) Your image is garbage, bro. Suck my dick. How about that? Wesley laughs while struggling to break free.
0: Yeah, eat our asses, you cybernetic bitch.
3: Sir Edgerton chuckles to himself.
0: (laughs) If this is it for us, then
9: I suppose we should say something too. Leviathan, you're a psychotic pubescent teen that never fully developed. You can kill us because none of us want to work with your wretched ass.
3: Callie erupts into laughter. <laughs> Sorry, Wes, but Sir Ed over here is actually pretty rad. Lady Ingrid smirks while staring up into Leviathan's eyes.
6: Even
11: though you're a cybernetic sea serpent some a giant robot, you'll always be the little whiny brat that got sent to the Great Depths. Learn how to communicate. Oh, and
3: I like what Wesley said,
11: so eat our asses again.
3: Paul Seiden waves up at him.
8: Reality check, bro. You fucked up. Everywhere you've been your entire life, you've caused yourself to be hated. Grow the fuck up, man.
3: Leviathan grows even angrier and squeezes tighter as he smiles down at them.
8: I don't need to listen to any of you.
11: I'm an agent of agents, a god compared to the likes of you. Now perish and rid yourselves from this world.
3: Vlad raises his hand and interrupts him. Leviathan stops.
8: Uh, what now?
3: Vlad clears his throat.
8: (coughs) Everyone else got the chance to uh, tell you something before being squished. I would like my turn now.
3: Leviathan sighs.
8: Fine. Say your hurtful words already.
3: Vlad smiles.
8: Thank you, Leviathan. My words aren't hurtful, actually. They're meaningful. What my friends say is truth, yes. It could have been said nicer, but how do you expect them to do that? I mean, you're about to murder us right now. And on top of that, we know what really happened to get you sent into the Great Depths. You wanted to fuse every organic creature with cybernetics, and the others didn't want that. Which
3: is understandable.
8: Tell me, Leviathan, how did you become a cybernetic?
3: Leviathan loosens his grip a little while he leans in close and looks at Vlad.
8: It was centuries
11: ago at this point. I was swimming around with the different creatures when something crashed down into the water. It was a gold machine that fell from the sky, and it was slowly falling onto a newly built city. I hurried over and caught it so it didn't destroy it. As I was swimming into the safe place, the machine opened up. It transformed into some sort of being. All I could remember was it had silver eyes looking into mine. Then I felt an incredible amount of pain and passed out. When I woke up, I was changed. With no understanding of what I was or why it happened, I was left alone. The cold being was gone, and there was no sign of the machine. All I know is that it came from the surface, when I confronted the other Agents of Agents. Well, you
8: know what happened.
3: Ladd looks around at the others before turning back to Leviathan.
8: I'm truly sorry that this has happened to you. You did something amazing by saving that city from the machine, and in doing so, you were turned into a cybernetic. It is unfortunate, but what you did with the power you're given is even more so. You could have done great work, but instead you've tried to force your will on everyone else. Do you see where we're coming from?
3: As he sits and thinks to himself, a loud thud comes from within him. He looks around in a panic. No! What was it? What did you do? The glow in his eyes starts to fade, and the propulsion holding him up turns off. Uh... He starts to slowly fall to the ground while holding on to Vlad and the others. The hatch on his neck opens and Clay runs out as a tiny gnome shoe. He jumps onto Leviathan's arm and makes his way over to his trapped friends. Clay can't do much as the tiny shoe. Barry flies up behind him with Iris on their back. She jumps off and helps Clay free up Sir Edgerton. He flies up with Vlad and Clay, giving the others enough room to break free. Wesley and Lady Ingrid fly out of his hands as Iris jumps back onto Barry just before he slams down into the ground below. A massive shockwave is caused, sending everybody still fighting flying into the air. Clay and the others land on the ground. They look around and see the aftermath caused by the battle. Vlad's castle mansion is in ruins and the guesthouse is barely standing. Vince Von von Bonbon walks over to them while holding Clay's body.
5: Oh, is that a giant robot? I thought they were all stuck on the robo-reserve island. Anyways, here's Clay's body. I'm going back inside.
3: He places Clay's body down in front of them before turning and walking back into the guesthouse. Barry walks over and grabs the necklace off Clay. They toss it in the air and it launches over to Clay as the shoe and pierces into it. Clay opens his eyes in his body and stands up. He walks over to the Leviathan.
2: I found a weak spot on one of the metal panels close to the source. I didn't know what to do, so I was able to knock him unconscious for a couple of minutes. Herman, you do the honors and release the other cybernetics.
3: Herman smiles while walking over to the panel with Clay. The two of them pull it off, revealing a bright green cylinder that's pumping the energy through the giant robot. Herman turns to Callie.
2: Callie, throw me one of your knives, quick!
3: Callie walks over to Griselda and slaps her on the ass before tossing a knife to Herman. If you need anything else, we will be in Vlad's master bedroom being bad. Herman catches the knife, shaking his head while watching Callie and Friselda run up the broken staircase to the room. He turns back to the cylinder while holding the knife.
2: Alright, everyone stand back. I'm not really sure what the hell's gonna happen after I do this.
3: He takes the knife and slices through the cylinder. It slowly stops pumping the green energy through the robot. Herman steps back with clay and watches as the green energy starts to seep out of Leviathan. It swirls around in the air before surrounding and engulfing him. The energy lights up and flashes bright, blinding everyone. It fades away and thousands of different cybernetics stand before them with a small sea serpent mixed into the crowd. It slithers away and finds a crack in the ground that it disappears into. Vlad smiles.
8: Next time we see Leviathan, he will be good. I just know it.
3: He walks over to a piece of the raised stage and stands tall on it.
8: My cybernetic friends, robots, cyborgs, androids, whatever you are, you are welcomed in Unity's dream. Robo-Reserve will be no more.
3: The crowds of cybernetics start to cheer. (laughs) Vlad continues to speak.
8: Please understand, there are still places in our world where you will not be welcomed. It is unfortunate, but something we all deal with. One day soon, we will no longer have to deal with this. Join with us, my friends, and help us to improve the world for everyone.
3: He jumps off the stage and looks at Clay and the others.
8: Come, we cannot waste any more time here. We must get back to DG and the Red Camps.
3: Clay looks around at the cybernetics getting along and working with the scientists to clean up. The wizards and witches left over seem to be in a daze. One of them flies over to Vlad and bows to him.
5: When Brother Malachi put us all under some sort of spell, we had no control over our actions for the past. Well, hundreds of years now. Ever since Cassandra came into the picture, that bitch. He changed, more than when he became a cyborg. I'm Belvedere, by the way.
3: Vlad bows back to him.
8: Well, if what you are saying is true, then you and the others will also be welcomed in Unity's dream. You can prove yourselves by helping Frizilda, Larry, and Perry, and the other scientists clean this mess up.
3: Belvedere smiles while flying to the other wizards and witches to tell them the news. A male android with a blue mohawk and yellow eyes walks over and stands in front of Vlad.
0: I am Gunther 87795 but you can call me Gunther. Other cybernetics and I accept your offer to live in Unity's dream. Your castle mansion will be rebuilt before you get back. We swear to make ourselves useful. We don't want to go back to the Robo Reserve.
3: Vlad gets ready to speak, but Sir Edgerton Valshire steps in front of him.
9: What happened to the cybernetic all those years ago is disgraceful. And as an ancient that was there and let it happen, I swear to make up for my mistake. Lady Ingrid and I will be moving out of the underworld and onto the surface. It's time to make up for everything.
3: Lady Ingrid flies over and hugs him. Oh, thank you, Ed. I've been waiting so
11: long for you to make this decision.
3: Gunther reaches his hand out for his.
8: I appreciate you
0: saying that, Ed. Because of what the Leviathan did to the other ancients of ancients and their children, there was no chance for us. There was nothing that could have been done.
3: Sir Edgerton shakes Gunther's hand. Vlad, Clay, Herman, Wesley, and Barry say their goodbyes before making their way up the broken staircase to Vlad's room. They open the door to Callie and Friselda naked, running around the room. <laughs> Callie stops and gets irritated. Fuck, man. Already? I was just starting to sweat. Frizzelda laughs while putting her clothes on.
10: (laughs) Now, you know I can keep up with you. Your friends need you. I'll be waiting for when you're
3: done. Callie licks her lips while putting her clothes on. Fine, but you owe me more than one. Clay, Wesley, and Herman walk through the bathroom and tilt the fallen portal potty back upright. (coughs) Vlad opens the door and steps inside. (coughs) Barry follows behind with Callie. Herman and Wesley join them while Clay steps in and closes the door. Light flashes bright around them. It fades away and the six of them stand in trasda. Vlad pushes his way through and opens the door to DG and the Redcaps standing in battle formations.
8: Ah, it's very good, my friends. It looks like you're prepared to march on the imps.
3: Colin Strind waves to them.
5: Yes, you made it just in time. We're about to go over the plan again.
3: The six of them join Colin Stren, Miranda Chelly, Garland Fells, and D.G. Miranda points down at the map. We're still in control of the Forest of Madness, so we use that to our advantage. We march straight for the Gray Shack, using the forest as our cover. Garland Fells smiles wide.
6: Hey, once we're close enough, we'll ambush the shack and get inside those doors.
3: D.G. blows smoke out of his hood.
7: (sighs) None of us have ever been inside, but it's a small shack. There can't be too much in there, right?
3: Clay looks at him, confused.
2: Uh, I thought you got the good stuff from in there.
3: DG nods his head.
7: Yeah, but, uh, Death Guide Reggie is always the one that hands the bags out. He goes inside and comes back out with them. All the other Death Guides had to wait in line and then walk back through the forest.
3: Callie pats him on the back. It's okay to be a fucking idiot. Barry looks around the room.
8: We don't have time for this, okay? We need to move on these imps before they realize what we're up to.
3: Wesley flies in the air and looks around at their army.
0: The redcaps are starting to get restless. It's the perfect time to march.
3: Colin Strind jumps onto the ladder next to his massive bed. He climbs it to the top and yells to the redcaps.
5: Our time in Entrazda has come to an end. Today we earn our right to go home. Today we kill the imps.
3: The wall in front of them opens and the redcaps start marching into the forest. (laughs) Clay and the others follow behind. As they get inside of it, the Forest of Madness starts to move, keeping them hidden.
1: I can't believe all that just happened. Soibernetics are back.
2: Us scientists are going to have a blast researching them. It's been far too long.
4: Leave the poor creatures alone. They've been trapped on an island for thousands of years. Let them do what they want before you pick them apart for science.
0: What about the redcaps? In the Valiant Five marching
2: toward the Grey Shacky? Eh? There's no time for a break. The friends finished a fight to go and then fight some more.
3: Seriously, though. But what are they supposed to do? The threat of the imp seems to outweigh everything else. And I mean, is Leroy taking a fucking piss? How did he
1: do all this plus he's a cyborg now? I didn't see that one coming. I was really
2: hoping he would come back to the good side.
4: (laughs) All I know is that whatever Vladimir Von 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 is doing is right. Our world needs to be united. There's still too much about our past that we don't know about.
0: Whoa, hold your centaurs there. What's that supposed to mean, bud? Should we be worried about something else?
4: Just seems like there are a lot of secrets being revealed every day. We're stronger together.
3: I think that's what Vlad is trying to do. His message is much more than that. But to sum it up, yeah, we're stronger together. Thanks for joining us in the Death Shifter Den. Don't forget to join us next week for a new episode of the Death Address about Aeschylus, one of the three great tragedians. And make sure you make it back in two weeks as Rose from the Ember Witch Saga will be joining the Valiant Five for an epic adventure.
4: (laughs) I want to say the last words to the listeners. That's all the time we have for this week's episode. We hoped you enjoyed it. We again want to thank Anchor for giving us an easy and reliable place to make our (laughs) podcast. Remember to follow us on YouTube, Pandora, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or just go to our website at www.deathshifter.com. You'll find all the links there as well as down below in the episode description. If you're interested in supporting us and gaining access to the exclusive trailers, bonus episodes and more, check out patreon.com slash deathshifter. Don't forget to subscribe and share the Death Shifter name. Thanks for listening and remember... Don't, don't forget,
10: forget to, to subscribe, everybody! <laughs>